When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and it is the return of the Hey Mary Kay edition of the pod as we go back to our normal five-day-a-week schedule. So I went to our Football Insider subscribers, asked for questions, and here we go. This is our Q&A with Mary Kay. This is going to happen every Tuesday on this feed and we have a full five-day-a-week schedule coming your way beginning this week. Well, okay, we didn't get one on Monday, so four days this week, but five days starting next week. Now, remember, if you want to be a Football Insider subscriber, I don't know what you're waiting for because the season is upon us. So you've got to go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get signed up to receive that daily newsletter in your inbox every single day. Become one of our tech subscribers and get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. All right, here we go. Our Tuesday Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. Here we go on our first Hey Mary Kay podcast of the new Brown season. It is Chiefs week and Mary Kay, we had some questions about the safety. So let's just start there because uh, as you and I talked about in a video today and uh, you wrote about uh, on Monday, the Browns defense pretty much back in full to start this week as we saw practice today. So let's start here. Uh, Paul Spencer from New York, uh, the 917 area code. Do we think Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams will both be full go in Kansas City or will they be on a snap count? So obviously a cornerback in there as well. But Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams, the two LSU DBs, uh, will they be out there full go against Kansas City? You know, I think they will be active. I think they will be available to play. And I think they will be worked into the rotations and into the game plan in some way, shape or form. I don't think either one of them are going to go out there and play some big full game where they're going to have 70 snaps. I don't think it's going to be like that at all. Ronnie Harrison is going to start at safety opposite John Johnson III. And Greg Newsom is going to start at cornerback in place of Greedy Williams opposite Denzel. Where's Greedy going to fit into the program? Not really sure because he's not really a slot guy. That's going to be Troy Hill. So I think if anything, uh, you know, maybe he'll he'll take some reps here and there and, and give Denzel and Greedy a little uh, and, and Greg a little break every once in a while, or he'll play in the nickel or the dime in some situations. Uh, but I just don't see, you know, that he's going to be playing 60 snaps as far as right. Right. Uh, as far as Grant is concerned, Grant has only practiced to this point a handful of team reps in all of training camp because of the Achilles and because of coming off of his hamstring injury. He had nine, only nine team reps, and then he came back from a hamstring and he practiced one day. So I would say he probably had maybe six team reps that day. So I'm going to say 15. That might be a little generous this whole entire camp. Grant is ready for some kind of duty. I'm not sure that he's ready for everything that Joe Woods has in mind for him this year, which is a large role in that dime package or the, you know, the big nickel where you use three safeties, uh, you know, especially when you're 
uh, you know, where you're dealing with some, some bigger tight ends and some running backs. So I expect that he's going to be in there. Once again, I don't think that you're going to see a real full game out of them. They will manage the workload of both players, but the good news is both will be available and I think both will be active. Okay, now we had some questions about this three safety set that we spent all offseason talking about, and we know Joe Woods wants to roll it out there. Uh, from the 202 area code, is there any sense Richard LeCount could play in those three safety sets instead of Grant Delpit if he's not ready to go? You know, he actually might be able to. You know, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think it would be their first choice right away because he's inexperienced and you're going up against – a really explosive, experienced offense that won the Super Bowl year two years ago and was the runner-up last year. So in a perfect world, you really wouldn't want to be running a rookie safety out there uh, in your dime package or your big nickel package if you didn't have to. But Richard LeCount has done a nice job. I mean, he has come up the learning curve very quickly. He's got a nose for the ball. He's got good instincts. So in the event uh, that you need to do that, I actually don't think they'll hesitate to do it. Uh, now, Javante Moffitt, I liked a lot of what I saw from him in training camp, and I actually thought that he at times looked, you know, a little bit more ready, but he landed on the practice squad for right now. And, you know, we don't know what's exactly going to happen by the time we get to the end of the week. Um, but if Richard LeCount is up and Grant Delpit is not ready for that full workload that we're talking about, Richard will get some snaps in there. Uh, so a question about Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa staying on the rookies. Uh, and this was someone else who was interested in the three safety look too. We got a lot of questions about the three safety looks. So uh, th this one comes from the 814 area code. And we got to hear from Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa today. You know, he said he expects to start kind of deferred to the coaches there, but it seems like he's going to play a lot, whether he's on the field that first play or not. Uh, and this question is, What's the thought of having JOK be a spy on Mahomes for this particular game? Uh, this person wants someone else to beat them, not allow Mahomes to do whatever he wants. Kind of using the Bucks strategy to beat KC is intriguing. Do the Browns have the talent to do that? I, I guess to, to sort of sum this up, what role do you see Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa having specifically against the Chiefs, whether it's week one, or maybe in a rematch, you know, maybe what that ideal role would look like in a rematch sometime in January. Well, I think that JOK is so versatile that he can do so many things. If you choose to spy on Patrick in that way, JOK would be the guy to do it. Okay. He has the speed. He has the versatility. I think he has the, the you know, the sideline to sideline ability. Uh, you know, he's got the athleticism to be able to do it. So actually, I just don't think that would be a very bad idea at all. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, I do think that you'll see him blitzing a fair amount. I think he'll start at weak side linebacker. I think he'll be one of two linebackers on the field in your sub packages, along with Anthony Walker. Uh, again, like I said, I think they'll send him on blitzes. I think they'll drop him into coverage. I think he'll do all different kinds of things. And if Joe chooses to spy on Patrick like that, uh, I, I would think that JOK would be the guy. So I, I think the spy against Mahomes is, is interesting. I'm not sure if that's really the approach to Mahomes. Obviously, you want to create pressure, but I think the – I actually think where the Browns could maybe have an edge is you kind of want to keep Mahomes hemmed in a little bit. He takes those deep drops, and then it's when he sort of starts running around. It's not what he does with his legs. It's what he does – 
when he gets out of the pocket and throws on the run, that really causes problems. That allows Tyreek Hill to get open. It allows Kelsey to get open. So I don't know if spy is the right word, but I do think Owusu-Kormo could certainly be a guy that if Mahomes does escape the pocket, could come in and, and make a play if he needed to. Absolutely, 100%. And I, I'm telling you what, after watching this defense all summer long, albeit not all together all summer long until today, but uh, after watching all these different pieces and parts on this defense, I think that this defense is going to make life kind of tough on Patrick Mahomes. I know he's got a lot to prove from what happened in the Super Bowl, but I still think that uh, this defense offers incredible speed off the edges. It's gonna, it offers a big push right up the middle. Uh, I talked about them playing tall ball in the middle a little bit, and it changes your approach of how you want to handle being in the pocket because uh, you've got Malik McDowell at 6'6", and then next to him, you've got Malik Jackson, the Malik brothers, Malik, double Maliks, uh, 6'5", and you, know, you can play some tall ball in the middle there. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you can do in terms of the, moving those guys around. I mean, if Miles on third down wants to create a mismatch with a guard or some interior lineman, he just has to go move himself inside and move the other guy outside. And, you know, he has the jurisdiction to do that on his own. So I think that this defense is going, going to create some matchup problems. I really do. It, it might sound crazy uh, to talk about it like that, but that's what happens when you completely overhaul a defense to the point where you could have as many as nine new starters. And I, sometimes I wonder like, how is, how, how is Patrick going to beat this defense? I'm really anxious to watch this chess match. Uh, because there's a lot of really good guys to block. Again, there's speed, there's power, there's changeup, there's versatility. They're going to keep the guys fresh. They're going to roll guys in a lot. Kevin Stefanski talked about that today. You're going to be waving in fresh guys. Uh, so it's going to be uh, a, a good defensive performance, I think. And they are going to make Patrick and Tyreek and Travis Kelsey earn their money on Sunday. Okay, let's stay on that defensive side of the ball. This question kind of goes along with that nicely from the 419 area code. Oh, put his name in here. Dave from Strongsville. Hey, Mary Kay, which defensive positions will have the greatest impact on limiting the Kansas City offense? The dual threat at defensive end or the revamped defensive backfield? I'm going to say somebody else than the two options he gave us, but I'm curious what you're thinking, Mary Kay. Well, that's, that's a great question because there are so many ways that you could answer that. And I'm not exactly sure uh, which way this is going to happen, but I would think the middle of the field is the place where you're going to make a lot of hay. And therefore I think your middle of the field guys like JOK, John Johnson, the third and Anthony Walker across the middle, the Travis Kelsey, uh, I think those guys are going to make a, a big, big impact in this game. And of course, then you've got to have someone that can keep up with Tyreek and McCole Hardman. Okay. That's a double dose of speed, which is also why I've been saying, I said it on the podcast. I don't know. It was a while ago where remember I, I mentioned that I would like to see Anthony Schwartz and Odell on the field together. That's what you get from the chiefs. I mean, you get, Tyreek and McCole. So you got, you have to have a couple of really fast guys that, that can handle them. So that's a big game. That's a, that's a, a tall order for Greg Newsom, who does have the speed to keep up with those guys to a degree. Um, so 
I don't know. It's, it's a great question. It really is a great question because I think that they can affect this offense in so many different ways. And I, I think the, the biggest way that they can do it is to get, somebody's going to have to get some takeaways. Somebody's going to have to get their hands on a football or two, whether it be via interception or fumble and recovery. That's how they can make the biggest impact. And I think that'll probably come from the back end. So I think it's going to be the middle of the defensive line. Mm -hmm. I, I think those guys creating pressure up the middle, like you mentioned earlier, and being able to kind of get a push up the middle mm -hmm. to kind of give Mahomes no place to go. Now he's very escapable and, and he can get out of the way. I mentioned he takes those big drops, but you've got the two big athletes uh, on the outside and, and Jadavian and, uh, and Miles, and then you get some, a, a speed rusher in tack. So you've got some ways to maybe counteract that deep drop, which with a new offensive line, by the way, a whole bunch of new offensive linemen, they're, they're probably not used to that in Kansas City. Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz were used to that. Um, but, but the Browns might be able to take advantage of that deep drop. And then you've got the guys in the middle. If they can kind of get a push up the middle, you might put Mahomes in a position where he's kind of got no place to go except backwards. And he can certainly still do damage when he's going backwards. He can do damage doing anything he wants. But uh, if, if you've got him going backwards – that's, that's a good thing. And I think the Browns can put him in some uncomfortable positions like that. Yeah. They are going to be aggressive. They are going to attack and they have the horses to do it now. And I, I think they are going to give Patrick an incredible run for his money. I could be wrong. I mean, Patrick, I, I think the world of Patrick, I think he's so good. Um, but this defense has a little bit of everything. And I, I don't see very many weaknesses, right? I mean, they'll probably try to go after Greg Newsom to see what he can handle right away, but he'll have help over the top. I mean, I just don't see a spot where you can really exploit this defense anywhere. And as you mentioned, in terms of the offensive line, there could be three guys on their offensive line have, who have yet to take an NFL snap, okay? That's not what you want when you're going up against this crew on this defensive front, especially this defensive line. I mean, these, these guys are going to be tough. This, you know, you can say what you want about the interior of the defensive line in terms of wondering about it because it's new and it's different and inexperienced and all that. No, they, they're going to be good. They're, they're going to be really, really stout and strong. And I don't know. I don't know what Pat is going to do to attack this defense. He's going to have to use, every arm angle that he has, every bit of mobility that he has, and every bit of creativity and playmaking ability that he has, I think, uh, to, to get past this defense. And, and it's important to keep in mind that he hasn't seen this defense. The Chiefs haven't seen this defense. There's no tape on it. You know, if these two teams play again, uh, obviously he'll at least have had an opportunity to play against it and, and have some film on it. But he doesn't know how this defense is going to look yet. And he, I mean, neither does the rest of the league. Uh, Ronnie Butcher from Chapmanville, West Virginia. We're going to talk about another defensive lineman. Uh, says he's read as much as possible about Malik McDowell and kudos to him for getting his life in order and chasing his dream. He looked powerful uh, when he played against Atlanta. So how dominant can he be in the middle of the defensive line? Well, he's still very raw, but he can be dominant. And the reason why I wrote a column last week saying I think they should start JOK and Malik McDowell is in large part because Malik McDowell is going to be surrounded by so much experience and talent on that defensive line that you can absorb a little bit of inexperience there, right? When you've got Miles Garrett 
and 10-year veteran Malik Jackson next to him. And then you've got Jadavian Clowney over there. I mean, you can, you, you can absorb a mistake or two from Malik McDowell. I mean, and, and he's going to make that, okay? But he is so big. He is so massive. And he is such a mauler, especially if you've got some inexperienced offensive linemen. I say, go for it. I mean, you could always change it up with Andrew Billings. Andrew Billings offers something different. He's really, really powerful against the run. And, and you know, that that's his thing. He eats up a lot of space. And, and he's going to be great in that regard. He has a unique skill set in that way. But 58 is a mauler. I mean, the minute we ever saw him walk out onto that practice field the first time, it was like, whoa, we kind of see where you're going with this. Talk about passing the eyeball test right away. And then the athleticism has emerged each and every day. So, you know, he's just really, he's really changed a lot over the last, you know, five, six weeks or so of camp. And, you know, I, I just think that, that he's going to be a force in the middle right from the start. All right, Jay Bernstein in Youngstown, Ohio has a really interesting question. I haven't read all the questions just yet, but I got to imagine there's not one that's going to be more interesting. There's no offense to anybody else, but, but this is probably the most thought-provoking question is maybe the way I should say it. Uh, so he, has, he says, here's your scenario. The Browns have the ball fourth and goal at the three-yard line. No timeouts. A touchdown is needed to win the game. So which players besides the offensive line and the quarterback do you want on the field? Mm, run that for me through that one more time, Dan. Okay. So it's fourth and three. The mm-hmm. Browns need a touchdown or fourth and goal. The ball's at the three yard line. Okay. The Browns need a touchdown. They don't have any timeout. So this is essentially the last play of the game or their okay. last chance to win a game. Okay. So you've got your quarterback, you got your O line, you got those six. What other players do you want on the field in that do or die scenario? Well, I always want Odell Beckham Jr. on the field in that yeah. scenario. Um, believe it or not, I would want Kareem Hunt. I might want Kareem Hunt. In that I'm season. glad you said that. I wasn't sure if you would say him, but I want Kareem Hunt on the field, whether it's as a receiver or in the backfield. I think I want Chubb and Hunt on the field, but I think Kareem Hunt, is just, he just kind of knows where to go. And him and Baker have a good connection. Yeah. And he makes tough catches. He makes tough catches and he scores the football. I mean, and and, and Nick does too. So you don't necessarily, I mean, if if I had to pick one, I would pick Kareem in that situation. I mean, oddly enough, Uh, I would put David Njoku on the field. Okay. And I would put Jarvis on the field. Yeah. So we got one more. Uh, oh, wait, did we put Chubb on the field officially? So we went Odell, Kareem, Njoku, Jarvis. So no, you didn't say Chubb. Do we want Chubb in this scenario or? See, this is, this is where it kind of depends who you're playing, I guess, right? I know. Yes, definitely. Um, I might go Donovan Peoples-Jones. Okay. Or, I yeah. think I... I think I would put Nick Chubb out there in the backfield and split Kareem Hunt out. And that way I could, you know, I could at least give the illusion of a run. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Go from there. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to argue with that. Group. I, I think you can kind of go 
any direction there. Yeah, it's pick your poison. And that was what I, one of the columns that I wrote after a game was, this year, it really is going to be pick your poison. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges for Kevin Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt, Baker Mayfield. What formations do we put out on the field? And where do we go with the football? Because there are so many things you can do. I mean, it's, it's almost overwhelming. The possibilities are endless. I mean, do you want to go three wides? I like three wides this year because they have the horses to do it. Do you want to stick with, you know, your two tight ends? Do you want to throw? I mean, I often say I would like to see Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb on the field together more, but you know what? You can only put 11 players out there at once, unfortunately for the Browns, because they have so many weapons on this offense and so many, you know, they've got, I was calling this my Noah's Ark offense, two of the best tight ends, two of the best running backs, two of the best wide receivers in the NFL, two, two, two of the best in the league at what they do. So like, what don't you want on the field is the bigger question, isn't it? Like who you taking off? It's, it's really going to be very interesting to see how they attack defenses this year. Okay, from the 510 area code, this is from Mark. Uh, I guess it's Pope Arad. I don't know. He calls himself the Pope in parentheses. So we're just going with the Pope here from Fremont, California. Hey, Mary Kay, if the Browns do win at Kansas City, are you concerned expectations will go through the roof for this team? Obviously, once the Brownies to win, but feels it might be better to lose another close one to KC to keep the carrot in front of them the rest of the season. Your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are the expectations are already through the roof, right? I mean, so many people here in, in Cleveland, I think, are talking Super Bowl. Dan, did you pick them to go to the Super Bowl in your prediction? I, I was surprisingly, I think I was the only one on our staff to pick them to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I picked them to lose uh-huh. to the Rams. Maybe you'll be the only one who's right. <laughs> but there are the expectations are already super, super sky high. Uh, So I don't think a victory could send them any higher than they already are. That's not the, that's not an issue at all. I've thought a lot about this game and this is the way that I feel about it. If they lose the game, it's not the end of the world. They're going to lose a few games. I mean, if I have to pick them to lose, you know, I have them going 12 and five. It's, it's going to be hard to find five losses where I just think, you know what? I think they're going to lose that game. If I had to pick one and I haven't, you know, necessarily made a pick for this game yet. And I don't even know if I necessarily will, but Kansas city wouldn't be the worst pick in the world for them, you know, to pick them to lose this game. But if they, I also think they can win it. And I think they can win it for a lot of the reasons that we're talking about. There's so many places to go with the ball. They've got the running game. They are going to be, they are going to overwhelm that new offensive line of the chiefs, I think. Um, And I, I definitely think they, they can win this game, but I, I don't think it's a deal breaker. if They lose it. I think they can overcome it. But the thing to remember, and we talked about this when we had our fan night the other night is this is a very tight race that they're going to be in, in the AFC North. I mean, it's probably going to go neck and neck again, perhaps with the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, they had to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the season finale to make the playoffs last year. You can't be messing around when you know you need to win probably 11, 12 games at least to make the playoffs this year in the AFC North. And that's probably what you're going to have to do. So again, remember, it's a 17-game season. 
I mean, it, it's vitally important to win for that reason, because you're going to need every victory that you can possibly get. And it's an AFC game and those loom large in the end. But once again, if you lose it, it's not the end of the world. You definitely want to win it. Not the end of the world if you don't. Yeah, I agree with you. We, we put a number on how meaningful the game was. And I, I think, did you and I both say three? I know I said three. Because, so. because to me, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, they, they can lose the game and still go win a Super Bowl. Right. But it is still a nationally televised game against the Kansas City Chiefs in week one. It, there, there is some level of importance to this game. And like you mentioned, what if, what if home field advantage is on the line? What if the Browns and Chiefs are both 14 and three and right. the Chiefs get that tiebreaker or something? So, so there's things like that. And also, the Browns are never going to be healthier than they are for this game. Right. Like that's the nature of football. They're never going to be as healthy as they are for this game. Right. And we saw last year, anything can happen. You know, you mentioned they had to beat the Steelers to make the playoffs. And that happened because they lost all their receivers, you know, to contact tracing mm -hmm. uh, against the Jets. Now, that's not going to be as big of an issue this year, but it is still out there. It's still possible. And just in general, other crazy things can happen that you just don't expect. And it just ruins a game for you. So, yeah, I, I mean, you, you do have to, you do have to treat every game like it matters, even if, like I've said over and over, the goal is to be playing your best football in November. Yeah, you know, November. it's funny that you should mention that, that, that you don't think that the, um, that the COVID issue is going to loom as large this year as it did last year. I wonder about that, Dan, because uh, I just have to wonder about that. I'm not entirely certain, uh, just, and none of us are, of how that's going to work out yet. As we head into this first week of games, we've already seen that there are a number of guys that cannot play in these games. And as we move forward, uh, you never know how that's going to go because they're going to start testing the vaccinated guys once every seven days. Now, now they're testing them on Monday. So that really gives them a chance to get back for the game. If they test positive and they can get two negatives in before the game, they at least have a shot. And most guys now, I think it's like, it's in the 90 percentile, you know, for most, for most teams. Uh, so most guys are in that category where they only have to test once every seven days, but I just don't know. I mean, I just, you just have to wonder, I know that teams are sweating it out today and, and it's Monday as we speak and teams are wondering, these guys went away for a three-day weekend. They were all over the place and there is a Delta variant surging throughout our country right now. And I know that teams are nervous about the impact that these positive tests are going to have on the season. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think it's still going to have an impact. I, I think with the, some of the protocols that might downplay it just a little, but yeah, I mean, you could still lose guys to contact mm -hmm. tracing like that. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it's certainly still going to be going to be a factor and, and it could ruin a game like it did for the Browns last year against the Jets. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just the unknown factor. Yeah, for everybody, exactly. Right. I mean, you know, the Cowboys have to go into a, into a game this week, I think without, unless like a miracle happens. Well, they, they play Thursday. So yeah, yeah they lost they play um, Thursday. It was, I, it was I Zach Martin, wasn't it? I don't think there's any way that Zach Martin can get back by Thursday night because he needed two tests, uh, two negative tests, 24 hours apart. So 
yeah, there's already um, the Dolphins tight end isn't going to be able to play in this game. Uh, so, yeah, it's the big unknown, you know. I mean, there's so many things that, that we can talk about as you head into a season. You know, the defensive line is better. You know, this, the secondary is so much better. You know that Odell Beckham Jr. is back. But what we don't know is who's going to be available from week to week. Yeah, that's true, obviously. Um, my, my dog, if you can hear him in the background, I think I'm getting something delivered at the moment. So, uh, <laughs> so Hope it's something apparently, good. Apparently my Amazon order has, uh, has come in already. Uh, all right, as we go through some more of these, uh, there was a really good one, and I got to find it here. There we go, from Ken in Ponte, Ponte Vedra, Florida, uh, the 904 area code. How many points will this offense average a game this year? And, oh, here's a good one. How many do you think it'll take to beat Kansas City? It's, it's, I think it's going to have to take in the 30s. I, yeah, at least. In this game. And, but I, I see the Browns being able to score in the 30s most of the time. I think they're going to be capable of 30 points, almost 30 points a game. You're not going to get that every single week, of course. Um, but I think you're going to have to be in the 30s to beat Kansas City. I think it'd have to be something like 35 to 32 or something along those lines. So you had, Green Bay leading the way with 31 and a half last year. Tampa Bay averaged 30.8. Uh, and then you had three teams, Buffalo, Tennessee, and New Orleans, at uh, all over 29 points per game. So, yeah, I mean, I could see the Browns bumping up. The Browns averaged 26.3 last year. As we've mentioned, they had those games uh, with the bad weather that, that really kind of uh, messed up some of their averages and, and final numbers. There's no reason this team – as long as everybody's healthy and Baker plays like we think he can play, uh, can't get to around 27 points a game, which would have been top 10 last year. Absolutely. I, I see it. I see it against it. You know, there are not that many great defenses in the NFL. I mean, there should be way better defenses. You have to give the Browns credit. They built a really strong and solid defense this year to go along with their really good offense. And that's why I think we all, think they're going to be so good this year because they're balanced in that way. They've got, you know, two really, really good units, but um, I definitely think they're capable. And I, here's the other thing. I think the defense is going to get takeaways this year. And right. I think they'll be consistently getting those takeaways throughout the season. The Browns really dropped off in the last six games of last year. They were not getting those takeaways anymore, but I think miles will be healthier this year. You know, we know he's getting, you know, he's not going to get COVID again, probably. Um, so I think he's going to be healthy. And so I think he'll be able to, to sustain his play throughout the year. If he does that, you know, that's right there is going to result in takeaways. And I think that's really going to help this offense. And therefore I see 30 as, as almost, uh, you know, the benchmark for them. Okay. From Terry in Houston, Baker Mayfield question is Baker's ceiling this year at an NFL MVP candidate level? Um, so his ceiling, if he has the best year he could possibly have, is that MVP caliber? I, I think so. I think he's capable of that. I for sure, I, I think he's, he's capable of, if Josh Allen could be in that discussion last year, and he was, then I think Baker Mayfield can be in that discussion. I mean, I, I think he can get himself up, up there in that conversation with the Aaron Rodgers and the, Patrick Mahomes and the Tom Brady's and the Josh Allen's and the Lamar Jackson's. I think he can be talked about in that way. 
because of everything that he's got going on. I think he's, I think he can be in the 30 some touchdown passes, nine interceptions, 70% completion percentage in this offense. I mean, there's so much there, you know, on what drive are you not going to score a touchdown? Like, and why didn't you, that's going to be the question. Like, why didn't you score that time? You know? So I, I think, I think he can be in that conversation. Yeah. I I think there's, there's a few factors, right? If he plays as well as he can play and if the Browns are really good, the MVP is kind of a narrative award. It's not just who's the best player. It's story. It's who's really good. It goes to a quarterback all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if the Browns go 15 and two mm-hmm. and Baker puts up numbers that are top five to even seven, he'll, he'll be in that discussion. I, I think it's going to be impossible to keep him out of it. Right. And remember they've got the third place schedule. They finished third in the AFC North. So out of their own division, they've got the, easiest schedule out of out of the top contenders for the AFC North they they have uh, the easier way to go there's no question about that and that makes a a big difference I mean uh, they do have some tougher quarterbacks that they're playing this year Uh, and as we've talked about before Warren Sharp grades their strength of schedule as third easiest in the NFL I don't know I mean it I understand where he's going with that it's projected win totals uh, based on a lot of different things but I don't know. It just seems like they're playing better quarterbacks. Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. They didn't face a lot of those kind of guys last year. I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to be better this year. Uh, so, yeah, it's, 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 going to be, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that turns out. Now, the other thing that I will say about Baker Mayfield is, and I've mentioned this before on our pods, and I've written about this a little bit, in addition to it being the second year in a, in a system that he can build upon, which is the pro about that, the con about that is that now defenses have a book on him. They have one full season in this offense under Kevin Stefanski to dig in there and figure out what he does, what he does well, and take away his strengths. And his strengths right now are those keepers, those boots where he just rolls out there, especially to his left, and he can just, he's devastating on the run. I mean, he can just nail that pass while he's out there. Um, but smart defensive coordinators are going to figure that out. And they're going to, and so now it's going to be up to Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski and AVP to figure out how to beat whatever these defenses are going to try to take away from Baker Mayfield. So when you mentioned that third place schedule, that adding that 17th game really helped the Browns because the North got cross-matched with the NFC West, which is probably the best division in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And the Browns got probably the worst of those four teams. Uh, Seattle, the Rams, and the 49ers. So I think Pittsburgh plays the Seahawks. The Ravens play the Rams. Even the Bengals have to play the 49ers. And the Browns get the Cardinals, who are a good team. But of those four probably the, if you had to pick the team you wanted to play, that would be the one you would pick. Yes. And they have them at home. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I would think that, uh, that this defense would be pretty difficult for, for Kyler to overcome. Now, of course he's got DeAndre Hopkins and you can make a lot of hay just with the connection between those two guys, of course. Um, 
But, oh, and, and you're dealing with J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. That's not going to be easy. So they, that team might be better than the projected win total on, you know, sharp football. I wonder what they have, what they have them projected to win this year. I don't actually know. I'll, I'll see if I can find the, okay. um, see if I can find a Vegas line or something uh, yeah. about what their projection is. Uh, while I do that, I'll throw this question at you because I had this thought as well as we walked out to practice today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry Richards in Arizona, as we know, the bike, um, I'm adding this part, but the bike gang during training camp was very large and got very large at times in Mary Kay when we got to practice today. Lo and behold, there was one guy on the bike. It was a backup guard, Michael Dunn. So Terry Richards from Arizona wants to know, hey, Mary Kay, how healthy are the Browns heading into week one? Do we know? Do we now know the legit injuries from the quote-unquote camp injuries that magically heal when the regular season starts? And Mary Kay, it sure looked like a lot of those camp injuries mm-hmm. uh, healed up before this uh, this first week. Yes, absolutely. I think the camp injuries, the camp injuries included J.C. Treader. Uh, they were giving that guy a break. Let him get in there and and start his 49th game and not miss a snap. I think Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, those guys were getting veteran rest. I think Denzel, to a certain extent, veteran rest. Um, There were a number of guys in that category, and some of them were the biggest names on this football team. Uh, I think that the legit ones were greedy because, of course, you don't want greedy to be missing time with a groin injury. You don't want Grant Delpit missing time with a hamstring injury. But those other top guys, uh, they were just being preserved for this moment coming up on Sunday. Right. And, and this almost, you know, look, I, I think kind of maybe deep down, we all sort of suspected this would be the case that the Browns were going to be very safe in training camp and just kind of make sure everybody got through. And a lot of those hamstring injuries weren't necessarily things to be worried about. They were just the Browns being overly cautious with a lot of their guys. Absolutely. And, and some guys, you know, did have things that kept them yeah. out again, Sione Taki Taki did. Um, but for the most part, this worked out the way that they wanted it to. They learned last year that they didn't need a whole bunch of wear and tear in training camp. Uh, they didn't need any preseason games last year to go 11 and five. And so I think they handled it the right way. They are getting to the starting blocks healthy. And that's a challenge in and of itself. The Ravens didn't do that. They already lost J.K. Dobbins. I mean, you don't want to show up at the doorstep of the season having lost a starting player already. And the Browns, that hasn't happened for them. And that was by design, and they pulled it off. Here's our follow-up to that last question. Arizona's, uh, this is according to VegasInsider.com. I think they do aggregate uh, from other places. But their win total is eight and a half. So that's with Pittsburgh, Washington, Denver, all those teams are eight and a half. And again, just to speak to the strength of that division, that's the lowest total in the, uh, in the, among NFC West teams. Yeah. It it will come down to matchups, of course. Right. I mean, it's going to come down to matchups. If if JJ Watt and Chandler Jones uh, are are having themselves a time and they can disrupt the timing of the offense and make things difficult and make Baker get that ball out of his hand really super quickly, then, I mean, you just never know. But um, yeah, I don't think that, that, I certainly don't think they're going to be an easy out. I think that's going to still be a challenging football game. Okay, let's see here. Let's get a couple more of these as I kind of look through. Um, 
Speaking of Vegas odds from the 850 area code, uh, I, I guess the line on this game is six and a half. I haven't checked in a while. I thought it was five and a half at one point. Uh, but do you think six and a half is about right for this, this game, Mary Kay, or is that yeah. being a little uh, disrespectful to the Browns? You know what? I kind of think that's okay. I mean, the Browns, you know, nobody has seen, again, what this defense is all about yet. Um, you know, you've got a couple of guys in, in certain places that have something to prove, like Greg Newsom, like Jadavian Clowney coming off of an injury, like JOK being new. Uh, so even though it is a, a much improved defense, I still think that people are going to want to see it. Vegas is going to want to see it first, like go out there and prove it first. And obviously the Chiefs are who they are. They've established themselves. And I think that they have earned the right at home coming off of the Super Bowl uh, to be six and a half point favorites. By the way, one of the things I wanted to add when I... Uh... <laughs> When I mentioned that I picked the Browns to go to the Super Bowl, one of the things I had to factor in, and I'm curious what you think of this, is I think Kansas City's the best team in the AFC. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the AFC. And you've mentioned that, that you kind of err on the side of the quarterback in, in making that pick. The one thing that stuck out to me is Kansas City going to three straight Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. A year after going and that run comes after they went to the AFC championship game a year before that. Do you think that's going to be a factor that like, I mean, I'm trying to think the last time a team even made it to three straight Super Bowls, and we're about to go into the longest NFL season ever. Do you think that is going to be a factor in whether KC can get back or not? It, it could be a factor. It could be a factor. It is really, really hard to sustain that kind of success. And if Patrick can pull that off, it's just a testament to the quarterback that he is. And what we have seen so far in the league, he has looked to us uh, quite often as one of the best quarterbacks that we've ever seen play the game, right? I mean, he just looks like something incredibly special. Uh, But then at times he's looked almost human and including in the Super Bowl. And it comes down to how do you attack that offense and what weakness can you find? Now, he wasn't healthy back then. He wasn't healthy in the Browns game, and he wasn't healthy in the Super Bowl. Patrick has had foot surgery since then, and I expect him to be much healthier than he was in those two games, especially the Browns game, which he missed 22 minutes of it. So, um, and they have, they have something to prove. They don't like the way they obviously got humiliated in that Super Bowl. So I do think that, um, that they're going to come out all guns blazing, but, um, but it is incredibly difficult to go to the Super Bowl three straight years. If, if they can do it, it, it's really a testament to the quarterback that Patrick is. Okay, last question here. This comes from, uh, I think it's Mavro, maybe Mavro from Columbus. You know, don't be afraid to ever put phonetic spellings in your in your texts to us for these things. As someone who always has my last name mispronounced, uh, I, I can understand uh, that you might want your name pronounced right. So don't be afraid to put some phonetic spellings in there for me. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, if the defense stays healthy, how many games do you think it will take for them to completely gel, especially with such good leaders at each level? You know, with John Johnson, Anthony Walker, uh, and this Mavro says Miles Garrett, but also I throw Malik Jackson into that mix as well. I would say it'll take about the first quarter of the season before they're really kind of humming along and before they sort of have figured out their identity. Because what they need to figure out is who is going to excel in these sub defenses and where. 
you need to find out who rises to the occasion in the moment when you're playing, let's say, let's call it the big nickel, okay? I mean, you have to figure out who is going to make the play and, and fit in those different kinds of defenses the best. And I think it's going to take a little while to figure some of that out. You're going to have to figure out who's best on the goal line, you know, who's best in goal line defense. And this is all, this is all new. You've got not eight, nine new starters. And I think that it's, it's going to take Joe Woods a little bit of time to sort of put the, all the puzzle pieces together and figure out uh, all the different defenses where, whether it's um, whether it's goal line, whether it's short yardage, whether it's red zone, you name it, he's going to figure out who steps up in those moments, in those sub packages. And I'm going to give that about four games to get that all down. Yeah, it, it'll take some time, but I think they'll be ready to be. I, I don't think that means they're going to give up like 40 points a game no. in the first month, but no. we're not going to see this full defense until really until you need to see it. Right. I mean, right. that's if they hit the ground running and play great in September. Awesome. But you really want this thing to to really just kind of build and build and, and have Joe Woods have everything figured out um, when, when you really get down to it towards the end of the season. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, that'll do it. Our first Hey Mary Kay podcast edition of the season. We are going back to our normally scheduled five day a week uh, programming schedule here as we are in the regular season mode finally. Uh, so that means got to watch the tape. We'll be back on Thursday. We're going to do round tables on Wednesdays uh, this season, and we're going to do a big game preview kind of picks thing. Uh, we're going to try something a little different on Friday for that. So we'll, uh, we'll be testing a few things out here. Uh, so bear with us as we figure all of that out. But Monday through Friday, we'll be with you here. And then our post game after the game, uh, that podcast will go up Sunday night or early Monday morning. All right, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. <laughs>